Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Good morning, everyone. We're so glad that you're here today and streaming live. A few weeks ago, I got to meet Gavin. Uh, He wanted to get baptized. So along with him and his dad, Clay, and his uh, mom, uh, Megan, over here, uh, we sat down and had a chat. And uh, what a joy it was that he didn't just have the answers in his head, but he has Jesus in his heart. And he's been wanting to get baptized for a while now. And uh, his grandmothers were able to make it in town just last night, I think it was, from uh, Cleveland and Tulsa. So he is supported by them, and uh, he is here to make his faith known through baptism. So go and introduce yourself and give your statement of faith. My name is Gavin, and Jesus is my Lord. Gavin, because you place your faith and trust in Christ alone, it's our pleasure to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, man, it's so good to walk out after a baptism. I got to visit with Gavin. He was so excited, 13 years of age. And he couldn't wait for this moment. He said, I've been looking forward to this. And I'm honored that we get to celebrate things like that. Because that's what today's about, celebrating. We're going to celebrate. Not that we figured out when Jesus was coming. I still don't have a date. I don't have a time. In fact... We've just finished a series on end times. Uh, Some of you have said, I'm more confused than than I was when we started. Well, I hate to tell you this, but so am I. So we're, we're in the same boat. We don't know. There's some things we do know. He's coming back. And I know for a fact that we aren't the first to struggle with what's gonna happen in the end. In fact, I wanna take you to a place the last thing he talked about on this earth was to help the disciples understand it's okay that you don't know exactly what's going to happen. In fact, if you've got a Bible, go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, there's the account of Jesus standing with the disciples. Uh, We believe on the Mount of Olives. In fact, there is a church called the Church of the Ascension that has been built on the spot where Jesus was, where he ascended. And so the word ascension, just a big word, means he was taken up. I mean, he just, he just left. And he left in glory. I mean, it's a pretty cool deal. And the disciples were all amazed, and they were just standing there staring at him. But it's not that part that I want you to, to watch. When I start reading in chapter 1 of Acts, I'm going to start in verse 4. He had just told them, go to Jerusalem and wait because there's something going to happen to you. You're going to receive power. The Holy Spirit's coming, and it's going to transform your life. And so we're going to pick it up with that and then read what the disciples said after that. Verse 4, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John, that be the John the Baptist, baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So basically, Jesus said, hey, you guys need to stay here. You need to stay in Jerusalem. Mount of Olives is just right across. 
the Kidron Valley from the Mount of Olives, I mean from the Jerusalem, stay here. Because something really cool is going to happen, and it's what John was talking about. Now, John actually said a baptism of fire was coming. So what, whether it's fire or just the Holy Spirit, it was a big, big deal. Do you know what the next thing the disciples said was? A question about, well, is it this time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That would be like us saying, Jesus, uh, so will the Republicans reign over all of us? Or will the Democrats? How do you go from a moment of you're about to receive a power? Because you've got a mission and you're going to need that power. To ask them a question like they did, it's easy. It's every one of us. It's what we tend to do. Look with me at what they said. I'm now in verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power and when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, so Jesus basically, after telling them they're going to receive power, the next question he got was, um, are you going to overthrow Rome? Are we going to be in charge? Are we going to be free? Let's just say it was a political question. I don't know how this past week went with what you feel is best. I don't know if your candidate won or your candidate lost. But I can tell you that we're not the first ones to get confused over end times. And to somehow think that if we get the right people in office, it's, everything is going to be great. No, it didn't. If we could just overthrow the Romans or overthrow whoever happens to be in the White House at the moment— Everything will be great. No. No, now it may help. Depending on your particular view, there are things that I want, and I pray you always continue to vote, and you continue to be active, and you're involved. My goodness, to see those veterans standing a minute ago, every one of those men and women served for the right we have to be able to vote in a democratic place. I just think it's a cool thing that we recognize the veterans. Yeah, give them a hand again. And every time I vote, I think about the veterans. I think about every man and woman who served protecting the right I have to go vote. But I'm not about to tell you that my hope is in that, and that's my focus, and that's what is going to consume me for the rest of my days. That's to miss, miss the word in verse 8, but. Okay? Jesus said, not going to answer that question about the kingdom, because the Father has fixed the time. The Father has fixed the plate. Father has fixed everything. And it's not for you to know. And then the word, but. And can I say appropriately, it's a big but. <laughs> In other words, I said appropriately. I, I saw you laughing. At me. They're over here thinking about political stuff. And he goes, nope. This is what I want you to think. Remember. You're my witnesses, regardless of what happens. You are my witnesses. Read with me. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends 
of the earth. So in other words, I'm not going to tell you about what's happening and who's in charge and what all that means. I'm going to tell you, you have a mission. When the power comes upon you, the Holy Spirit comes in your life, you have a mission. And that mission is to be a witness for Jesus. It's just simply to be a witness for Jesus. The word witness just means I'm not ashamed of him. I give testimony to him. I don't explain everything to everybody about Jesus unless I have the opportunity. But the problem is I don't understand everything about Jesus. I just know he changed my life. And if you've ever been called into a court of law as a witness, what were you supposed to do? You were supposed to tell the truth. That's one thing. And you were just supposed to, just supposed to tell what you saw, what you heard. I heard about a guy that was, on the, he was in the witness stand, and, and an attorney looked at him and said, so you know this accident was a long way away from where you were. Yes, sir. So how far can you see to describe everything that happened in that accident? How far can you see? He goes, I don't know. How far is the moon? Well, obviously, the man thought he saw the details of that accident. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But that's what witnesses do. We tell what we saw. We tell what we experience. <clears throat> and we just talk about Jesus. Our job, our mission is to be witnesses for Jesus. And that's all we talk about. That's what consumes us. That's what our focus is, is to be a witness. And where do we do it? Start in Jerusalem. That's why it's called For Orlando. How are we going to be faithful by sending people halfway around the world and we won't be a witness across the street in Richmond Heights? That's a joke. That is absolutely appalling to think that we would somehow convince ourselves we're going to be a witness everywhere in the world except where we live. Start with where you live. Start with your family. Do they know what Jesus means to you? Do you talk about Jesus to your friends? Do you talk about Jesus at work everywhere we go? For Orlando means we're starting in Jerusalem. And then Judea. That may be the state of Florida. Okay, Judea was kind of like the state around Jerusalem. And then Samaria, you know who that is? People we don't like. People who live across the street that we just can't get along with. We're supposed to be a witness to them too. And then he says, until the ends of the earth. What that means is that we never quit trying to get the gospel to every person on the planet. And I just think that's the mission of the church. That's what he tells them. You've got to be doing this, guys. Man, I want to be described like the little boy going home from church. He told his dad and his mom, hey, Jesus' grandmother taught my class today. And they're like, what? Jesus' grandmother? How do you know it was Jesus' grandmother? Because Jesus is all she wanted to talk about for one hour. <laughs> I would love it if that's the way we're known. We just like to talk about Jesus all the time. And you know what? Every ministry we're involved in, everything we do, we know Jesus is the reason. And so when he finishes this mission, then there's this moment where all of a sudden they're watching him go up. And they're lost in that moment. So let's read on what happened. Verse 9, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, 
why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So in other words, they're standing there, lost in the moment as Jesus is leaving. And these two guys in white robes, two angels said, hey, what are y'all looking at? He's coming back. And what's implied in that, uh, didn't he tell y'all something to be doing? Didn't he give you a mission? So why are you standing here looking? You got something to do. Guys, I love studying the Scripture. I love trying to understand truths and the deep truths, the mystery of the ages. I love working through the materials that we did to understand some of the things about the end. But guys, can I just tell you, we have a mission to do. God help us to do it. Be witnesses in this city. Everywhere we go, whatever we do, we're his witnesses. And by the way, that is your mission and my mission. Yes, it's a mission as a church, but it's our individual mission. I grew up with a statement that goes like this. The life you've always wanted is hidden in the mission you're always afraid of. And what I believe that means is you will never find true fulfillment until you start doing what he told you to do. Because that's where you find who you are. That's where fulfillment comes from. And I think we got a day to get ready for. Why do we stand looking into the heavens? He's coming back. He's coming back. And you know what? I got a feeling the first thing he's going to ask us when he comes back is, did you do what I told you? And when he comes back, man, I want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't know if any of you had a father or mother that traveled and, you know, they were gone for days at a time, weeks at a time. I, I, my dad traveled and and he was in seminary for a while when we were his kids. And I can remember every time he would leave on a Monday, he'd be back on that Friday. He would leave and he would leave a list of things that he needed us to get done. So what do you think he asked on Friday afternoon when he got back? Did we do what he said? Now, it wasn't the first thing. He loved us. And, but I can tell you what we were doing. We were running and hiding. I can remember distinctly hiding under my bed because my dad was back. Not because I didn't love my dad. I wanted to see my dad. I just do, didn't do what he said. I remember even as a high schooler, he was leaving town. He said, hey, I need you to do one thing for me. What's that, dad? I need you. My dad loved to garden. Oh, he loved to garden. And we were living in town. And I said, dad, they got grocery stores. If you need vegetables, we can go get them. He goes, no, 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 we're going to have a garden. I need you to break ground for the garden. I need you to plow I mean, literally, I had to run a tiller. You ever run it? Actually, the tiller ran me. I, I wasn't running it. It was brutal. Well, let me tell you what I did. I got about half of it done, and my friends came by and said, hey, let's go. I left. So guess what happened when my dad got back? He looked out there and saw half of it done. He walked over to me. He said, can you explain that? Well, um, yeah, Dad, I was just, uh, I needed a little break. Every excuse I came up with, it just didn't matter. The simple fact was I didn't do what he said. Guys, I have one desire. When Jesus returns, I want to look him in the eye and say, Jesus, I did what you told me to do. Everything you told me 
we did what you told us to do. Be a witness. Now, there are a lot of ways to do it. And that's what's so cool. We're in a season where we ask you, would you give so that we can help partners all over the city and through them be extending the love of Christ? And you did. You gave. You're going to hear a report in just a second. And also sign up. And you did that too. But I just want us to bow for a moment. And I want us to say, Jesus, just talk to him. Bow with me. You're on the stream. Just bow. And I want you to tell him right now, Jesus, I will do what you told me to do. Jesus, I will do the last thing you told us when you were on this earth is to be a witness for you. And Jesus, I'm going to do that. I'm looking forward to seeing you one day. Jesus, thank you so much for these words. Thank you for the reminder to us as a church and to people as followers of Jesus. We have a mission. And God, don't let us get half of it done. We want to finish what you gave us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, today we get to celebrate because we've already taken a big step in that direction. We're already, I'm telling you, I'm so proud of our church. Thankful to be a part of a church who realizes there is a mission and we're going to get it done. If you grew up in the South, you'll know what this means, get her done. And that's exactly what we've been doing. And I want you to help me welcome Danny to the platform. He's going to give us some reports, and we're going to meet somebody that we get to participate in showing the love of Jesus to this city. Danny, come tell us about it, man. Thank you, David. Hey, as a reminder, if you weren't here uh, or just forgot the last three or four weeks we've been talking about for Orlando and for Orlando is a way for us to make a lasting difference right here in our own community through giving and through serving and we're doing that alongside partners uh, ministry partners right here in our city many of whom we've been in partnership with for a lot of years and some of whom are just rather new we're just connecting with them now three weeks ago we asked you to give and we told you then that we were going to give away 100% of what came in in that celebration offering. In just a second, I'm going to tell you how much he gave. And two weeks ago, and for the last two weeks, we challenged you to serve. So many of you have been serving with some of our partner organizations for a long time. That's how they've become our partners is because you've been serving with them. But we asked you to sign up if you've not been serving. And I'm thrilled to be able to report to you today that over the last two weekends, we signed up 524 new people representing over 3,200 hours of serving in our community. So, and we know that there are a lot more. In fact, that number has been updated every single day since the first day that we've uh, asked you. There are new people signing up, and we're really excited about that. And then what you gave. You know, you're the most generous people ever. You just, anytime we give you an opportunity, you give, and you are amazing. In that offering on that Sunday, you gave $863,478.83. That is incredible. 
And just as inspiring to us is that that represented 175 brand new givers to First Orlando, people who were giving for the very first time, 175. And I want to remind you that this giving like that doesn't happen because a few people did something. It's because all of us participated in some way and something big happens. 860 some thousand dollars that we get to give away. And we just thought, that the best way to start it off and the best way to celebrate what we had done together in giving is to give some away today. And so we're going to do that today. I want to introduce you to an organization, one of our partners, called Samaritan Village. Samaritan Village is a residential facility with wraparound support that provides support to victims of, of human trafficking. And they give them a safe and comfortable environment to heal from trauma, to recover from addiction, and to reclaim their lives. A uh, few months ago, there was a group of us that were able to attend an event where they got to tell their story and, and a little bit about how the ministry was going. And it was a very uh, inspiring uh, meeting to be at, to hear the story of real life transformation that's happening because of Samaritan Village. And today, we're honored to have the executive director uh, of the Samaritan Village, Dee Coleman, as our guest. Dee, would you come? Would you help me welcome Dee to the platform? Let me get you a microphone, Dee. Come on over here. It was so great to be with you at your event and to hear more about Samaritan's Village and what you do. Tell our people a little bit about Samaritan Village and how it got started and what you guys do. So we're a 13-year organization. We were started by a woman named Rhonda Stapleton who had moved into the Holden Heights neighborhood right off of OBT. And she was actually a chaplain in the Orange County Jail and saw the cycling of women on and off the street corners, in and out of jail, and had this, they were, she realized that they had this dynamic of this push-pull relationship with men. Over the years, she started a home where these women could come and be nurtured and cared for and get resources to become better moms, better parents, job skills. Um, and out of that, we brought in a clinical director who looked at the women we were serving and said, most if not all of these women have been sexually exploited or trafficked at some point in their lives with abuse happening when they were tiny girls. And so our organization in 2011 flipped. We began to focus on the root cause of that issue, which is that these women were being sexually trafficked and exploited. And so we've been doing that for the last 13 years, and it's incredible. We have two safe houses here in the Orlando area. Um, we can serve up to nine, and just to tell you, to give you some insight on that number, it seems like a really no, low number, but we are one of two safe houses in the area that provide long-term care to adult survivors. And so um, the state of Florida has less than 100 beds. Wow. So we have some of the most, which yeah. is alarming. <laughs> so one of the things that I heard there is that it's like a 12 to 18 month uh, period that yes. the ladies are in the house there in the, in the facility and it's a wraparound um, services for them. I also heard about a need that you have and uh, that you're actually trying to increase the number of beds. So tell us about that. Yes. Yeah, so in 2019, before we all entered into 2020, we launched a capital campaign with only being at the time able to serve six women, understanding that there were less than 100 beds in the state of Florida for these women, we felt like we, would, we had gotten 400 referrals to our program in that year. Wow. And it was horrific to turn these women back out. We, there was nowhere for us to, to refer them to. Um, and so I, myself and our team said, we really need another house. So we embarked on this capital campaign, 2019, 2020, 
20 hits. Of course, all of our lives were upended. Um, and so we are at the end of raising the capital that we need to purchase another house that would make three houses for us in Central Florida. We'd be able to serve up to 15 women um, in these houses, which again, sounds like a low number, but I always say, if it was your daughter that needed saving, that single person, how much would you, how much would you pay? What would you do to give her that one spot? A so, lot. A yes. lot, yeah, absolutely. So what I heard at the meeting that we had was that you guys were about $25,000 short correct. of being able to purchase the third home. Yes, Is that right? That's correct. So First Orlando, Pastor David, why don't you come? We want to be the ones to give you the $25,000 and get you there to be able to purchase that third home. He's got it for you. Steve, God bless you. Thank you for doing that. You're awesome. May the Lord bless you. That's You're great. welcome. Pastor David, I think it'd be great for you to pray for Absolutely. the ministry and pray for Dee and her leadership. What an incredible job you're doing, Dee, to lead there. And, uh, you know, I, you're modeling what Jesus taught us, to go after the least of these and to meet them in their need, in their distress is the term. And what a beautiful picture of that yep. you are. And thank you for serving that way. And I just want to tell you, you know, David and I get to be up here and do this and do it, but it's your giving that's right. that made this happen. And we Amen. don't give because we're good. We give because he's good. That's right. And that's, that's right. why we give. And that's why we're giving to you today. Amen. So how many of you had never heard of Samaritan's Village as, as one of the local, that's what I thought. The, it's just amazing how a ministry like yours could be so effective in changing the lives of people. And, and not have the notice or have the notoriety. And, and I know there's a part of that, it's okay, because you want to be very careful. But I want you to know something. You'll never be forgotten here. We will remember this moment, and we will continue to pray. And maybe, who knows, there may be more to come in helping you to accomplish the mission. I know you got your family with you this morning. Can you introduce, you guys mind uh, standing up? Introduce your family to us. Thank you, Frankie and my daughter, Naomi. Oh, that's great. So glad to have you guys. Hey, uh, let's, let's pray. Father, I, I just, it's so moving to hear Dee talk about these lives that are being totally transformed by the work of Samaritan Village. I just, I ask you, Lord, continue. May your hand rest upon them. God, we pray do it over and through everything that's done, every dollar that we have given and others. God, translate into, into changed lives, convert it into lives that will never be the same. And Lord, we just speak Jesus over them because we know you're the hope. You're the only one that can change us from the inside out and to bring worth and dignity back to us that have been stolen and taken. So God, bless this work. Thank you for allowing us to get to be a part of it. And Lord, we love you and we do it all for you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hey, Amen. let's thank Dee and the work of Samaritan Village. That's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. So cool. I just, I'd never heard of them. And all of a sudden, we began to hear these things. So why do we do that? I mean, that's a lot of money. What you gave is a lot of money. We do it all for one reason. He first gave to us. You see, nothing you give will ever come close to what he's given. Never. So whatever we do, it's an honor. 
And we do it in his name and we do it because we remember what he did. On a night that he was betrayed, the Bible says he took the bread and he broke it. And when he had given thanks, he said, this is my body, which is given for you. And as often as you eat the bread, remember me. So this morning, if you have one of those cups, go ahead and get it. If you don't have one, uh, we've got some guys that can get you one right quick. They're in the, uh, in the aisles. You just raise your hand down here. We have a need in balcony, back on the terrace seating. Anybody? Just raise your hand. We'll get it to you as quickly as possible. The scripture says that Jesus told his disciples, he said, I long to eat this meal with you. Talking about a Passover meal. And we know from Revelation, there's going to be a moment. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. But that's our title given to it. I, I just think there's going to be a moment where Jesus is going to sit with us and he is going to partake of bread that is broken. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? when Jesus is with us. And so the early church, from the very beginning, they used to have this moment often. And they did it because they wanted to be reminded of what Jesus had done, but they want to point to what he's doing, going to do, and that is he's coming again. In fact, the scripture says you do this, and every time you do, you proclaim my death until I come. So today we remember Jesus. And we remember what he did for us. And we celebrate the fact that now we get to be a blessing to people all around us. Why? Because he first blessed us. So if you'll take that cup, the first tab will open up the wafer, which is the bread. It's symbolic, reminding us of his body that was broken. After you eat the bread, then you're going to take the second tab and that's the juice. The juice represents the blood of Jesus. It is the picture, as Jesus said, of my blood poured out for you, which is the forgiveness of sin. So basically, this cup that we hold is a reminder to us. We have everything we need to change our world. He changed us. And so now may we be his witnesses. And let the world know what Jesus did. I want to pray. And as I pray, we'll close. I want you to go ahead and in your own moment, just take this, open it up. And as you're eating that wafer, as you drink the cup, would you just say, would you speak his name? Jesus, say, I want to say thank you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you did for us. And we thank you that we now get the privilege of ministering in your name, being, Lord, a voice and your hands and feet to love this community. And we do it for one reason, because you first loved us. And we will never forget. So, Lord, bless this bread. Bless this cup. This do in remembrance of you. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.